Welcome to episode 38 of the Ball Blab Podcast. My name is Jason Stolakis, and we got a big episode for you guys today. First up, I talk with Derek McGuire of Bleacher Brawls and of the Off the Monster Podcast, and we discuss how the Red Sox are doing, his thoughts, and much, much more. Then I have a discussion with Nate about how the Red Sox are doing and his thoughts as the season progresses. Ladies and gentlemen, enjoy episode 38. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another edition of the JP Sears Stand Podcast. I am your host, Jason Stalock. <laughs> nah, I'm kidding. Um, here with a special guest, Derek McGuire. Um, let me pull up a plug-in. You you're on the Off the Monster podcast, like Jeremy, an episode ago. Um what what do, what don't you do, Derek? How you been? <laughs> uh, I do a lot, actually. Um uh I'm like you said, I'm on the Off the Monster podcast. I'm also a part of Bleacher Brawls. I pretty much run the YouTube channel for Bleacher Brawls. I am on all the YouTube videos. Uh, the only ones I'm not on are the like the Sunday podcast. I don't even on one of those um, because I do so many YouTube videos. They're like, yeah, let's take a break from the Sunday podcast because I'm on the uh, my face is just all over the YouTube channel. Uh, so I get to get this beautiful face off the YouTube channel a little bit. Uh, that's not what they actually said. I'm just making that up. Um, and then I'm also <laughs> on the Red Sox podcast for Bleacher Brawls, and I also do uh, weekly or uh, weekly columns for Bleacher Brawls as well every Wednesday. Uh, nor it's normally every Wednesday. Um, I actually have another one coming out this week on the UFC with the do a monthly one for that. For the UFC, and then I also uh, am part of the minor league show for Pesky Report, and then maybe occasionally I might hop on one of their other shows. But uh, so far, I'm basically I've only done the minor league show for them, um, but that's going well. I actually just finished recording that actually before jumping on here, um, but I'm excited to be on. We got a uh, it's probably gonna probably gonna have a bunch of stuff to talk about, um, and like off the monster, I think this might be a little off the rails. <laughs> um, this conversation is gonna we I have no clue where it's gonna go. I don't even know if you know where it's gonna go. Look, I'd be lying if I said I I knew where it was going to go. Okay. So this is date number two of the Off the Monster crew. Um, First was Jeremy. Now it's Derek. So let me start off by asking you, Derek. I almost called you Jeremy. Jesus. Um, Jeez Louise. Think, so My name Sox, should be on the screen. It is. No, it is. It is. It is. I'm just <laughs> looking through more J.P. Sears tweets. Um, <laughs> no, we were just talking about J.P. Sears before this. But anyways... Um, let me ask you this, Derek. Sox coming off an eight-game winning streak was snapped la- uh, yesterday afternoon. Um, but they still won the series against Philly. Um, Derek, do you think this is sustainable, or do you think this is just fool's gold? Well, winning eight in a row is not sustainable. I mean, it was bound to end at some point. Yeah. Um, but I'll put it like this. instead. Of, I'll, I'll dance around the question a little bit and say, I think this is a very important month for the Red Sox. They don't play another AL East team until until June, until they play Tampa in a four-game series that's in three days and includes a scheduled doubleheader because the MLB just couldn't find another day to put the fourth game, so they made it a scheduled doubleheader. Your MLB, you suck. Your scheduling's awful. Um, but besides that, uh, it's a big, it is a big month for them. They, they've also got a West Coast road trip in this month. It's it's a very big month for them. They have to win games. Like I said, I don't think – winning eight in a row is not – you're not going to win eight in a row. You're not going to then lose one, then win eight in a row again. Uh, but at this point, it's just win about winning series, really. Um, you can't win every game. Uh, I know the uh, Orioles and Rays are playing a series. They're starting a series set tonight. So hopefully they'll beat up on each other a little bit. Maybe they'll split the series. Or even if the Rays kind of run away with that series, that might not be bad because the Orioles fall closer to the Red Sox uh, in that sense. So 
I mean, maybe it's just maybe it's not terrible if the race kind of run off with it, and then it leaves the Orioles, Blue Jays, and Red Sox. Leaves the Reds, the Orioles closer to the Red Sox. Maybe that's not a bad case. Uh, worst case is the Orioles just like sweep the race. That's probably worst case scenario. Um, but I think for the Red Sox, it's just win series. Focus on yourself. Win series. If you keep on winning series, you'll be over five hundred, and you'll find yourself in the playoffs. Uh, and and that's all you can really ask for. I think the number one priority, whether your goal is winning a World Series or not. Uh, which it should be winning the World Series for any team, not just the Red Sox. Uh, your number one priority is getting in the playoffs. If you miss the playoffs, you can't win the World Series. So for the Red Sox, and you're looking at it, you got to make the postseason if you want to, if, if you just have a chance at winning the World Series. They have a team now. There's a lot of long season injuries can still happen. The Red Sox last year and this year haven't had the greatest injury luck. Um, there's still a trade deadline to come by. Who knows what could happen then? Maybe some AL, other ALEs teams load up. Maybe the Red Sox load up. Who, maybe all the ALEs teams load up. Who knows? Uh, still a long way to go. So, 28 runs not sustainable, but I think they can win. the. Uh, I think they can win more series than they're going to lose for the rest of the year. So, in that case, I would say it's sustainable. I mean, you brought up injuries, and they're starting to pile up, and we're just keep winning. And especially with a Royal coming on the IL, you know, it's big because you're up the middle depth is now thinner. Now you just have Bob Kike and Uh, that's that's it. Who can play short, right? Emmanuel Valdez. I mean, Valdez, second base there. He can't play short. Um, He can't play short, but he can play second at least. Right. Uh, I mean, Justin Turner played second base for two innings is like, that's not, he's not going to play second. Um, you do have David Hamilton in AAA, but the problem with him is he's another left-handed bat. <laughs> he's so, like, we're, are we like, are we really going to run out of lineup with like eight lefties in the lineup? The only non-lefty is going to be what, Justin Turner. I mean, or Connor Wong, there'd be seven lefties, right? Uh, it, it's like, that's, I truly believe the only reason they didn't call it David Hamilton is Dahlbeck gets right-handed and David yeah. Hamilton doesn't. I truly because David Hamilton plays shortstop better than Bobby Dalvik does. He can play second base better than what Bobby. I think there's a chance you would see Kike move to second for David Hamilton when Hamilton played. Uh, it's it's just a log jam. Valdez's defense has gotten better, but yeah, up the middle, it's like a log jam of like not good in terms of that bench spot for up the middle right now because it's Dalbeck. Not that I think David Hamilton isn't good by a log jam of not good. I mean Bobby Dalbeck is a lot is is like blocking the hole where someone who's actually who could actually be good would have an opportunity to step in because they can't get around Bobby Dahl like just because he hits right-handed. Um, exactly. So yeah, it, it it's not a it's not ideal Dahlbeck. They'll face whatever lefties they face in the coming stretch when Arroyo's not on the team most like most likely, and I do think he will play second base, which I'm a little concerned about. Although I mean, maybe they'll put him at short and put Kike. I, I'm I'm still concerned about it, regardless whether it's second short. He played right field in Worcester the other day, which what? Yeah. Oh yeah, he played right field in Worcester. Uh, you know what that gives me vibes <laughs> of? You remember in 2020 when they put Chavis in the outfield? <laughs> yeah, that reminds me of yeah, that. Yeah, it, it gives me that vibes. It gives me, but they also I think the Pirates also tried doing it too. Didn't yeah. work. Like uh, they ended up putting him at first base. And like, he's not a first. Like, the problem with Dahlbeck is he's not a first baseman. He can't play third base. He's not a shortstop or a second baseman. He's not an outfielder. You can't put him at third base because Rafi Devers is there, and he's still not that great at third base either, right? Like, could he be passable at third base? Yes, I think so. Is he gonna play over Rafi at third base? No chance. 
Right. Okay. So where do you put them? And like Cassis looks like he's heating up. Justin Turner's heating up. So it's like, okay, well, he's not DHing. He's literally, he's literally there because he's right handed. But I wish, I kind of am hoping we get a little bit of a revisit to Ref Snyder when he used to play infield and say, can we chuck him at second base for a game? He used to play second base. I he mean, did. at that point, I mean, I'd rather put Ref Snyder at second base than Bobby Dahlbeck. I mean, and Ref Snyder crushes lefties. Dahlbeck, he doesn't really, I would not say he crushes lefties. Um. So wait, Rob Ref Snyder did play freaking second base? Jeez. That's yeah, he played first base too. He was, an, he was an infielder originally. Huh. Wow. Back when he was with the Yankees and Twins. Oh, yeah, that's right. He had that stint with the Yankees. Jesus. Um, I don't know. It's, it's a whole mess. Um, it's literally, you can't make this up, but you know, <laughs> you we're can't. still, you, you, you can't, but you, we're still winning games. And that's, that's all that matters at the end of the day. If you can get those wins in, that'd be good. But then the other, the other question I have for you, and then we can, I don't know, branch it off there. Um, Paxton's coming back. Um, so who do you think he, I know we've talked about it briefly, but what spot do you think he gets? And is it in the starting rotation? I have my, what I think happens and then what I want to happen. And they're two separate things. What I think happens, I think is most likely they said he's going to pitch the St. Louis series. I think the Red Sox haven't announced a Friday starter or Saturday, Sunday, but haven't announced a Friday starter pass and pitch Friday. Are you going to give him more than a week off? It feels a little like long for a starter. Bayo pitches Wednesday. Don't be shocked if Friday comes. Bayo gets sent down to AAA and Paxton pitches Friday. Um, and the reason I say don't I say don't be shocked is Bayo has options. It's the Tanner Houck situation from 2021. That's that's what it is. Remember when Houck they kept on sending him down, even though it was Martin Perez and Garrett Richards, and they were both worse than him. Mm-hmm. But they're like Tanner Houck has options. He's getting sent down. I feel like we're about to have that same scenario with Brian Bayo. Hauk was solid in his starts in 2020 when he came up. 2021, he's going up and down because he has options. Bayo, solid in his starts in 2022 when he came up, especially at the end of the year. 2023, he's going to be doing up and down because he's got options, right? Right. I mean, I don't see Hauk moving to the bullpen. I think they've kind of made it clear that they kind of want need want him as a starter. And, they, and also with Whitlock injured, they're going to roll with him. I think, though, what, they, what I think they should do you could say jeopardizes the bullpen a little bit. They have at least one. They have one off day every week for the next six weeks, including this week. They have two this week. And then the five weeks after this week, they have an off day each of those weeks. So I think you could get away piggybacking James Paxton, whether it be with Bale or Hauk, where you start Paxton and then you bring in either a Hauk or Bayo after him. Uh, um, for me, that's the way they should go. Uh, we saw it a little bit last year. They did it with Bale a little bit. Uh, or I, if anyone remembers the Houston start, I forget who started the game, and then they brought in Bale after like the third inning. Um, like so, it's not a thing the White Sox haven't done. They they don't. It's not like they've done it a couple times. Is it something that they normally do? No, nowhere near that. But like we've seen it with the Rays even this year. Like Jalen Beeks comes out, pitches the first like two, maybe three innings if his pitch count is still really low. And then Josh Fleming comes out and he pitches. It's it's a thing that the Rays do a lot. And I know Heim Blue, but you know, we can say Tampa North, but like at the same time, <laughs> Tampa's really freaking good. Like 
look at what Tampa's record is. Like they're really good. <laughs> like, like so it wouldn't hurt maybe uh, take a little bit from them, see what they're see what works in them, and maybe see if it works for you, right? So I think what I would do personally use Paxton and piggyback either Hauk or Bayo off him. I'd probably at this moment. I'd lean slightly towards Hauk just because I know he, we know he can come out of the bullpen. Whereas I know Bale like came out of the bullpen piggyback last year, but he's still a starter and has really been used as a starter. Hauk has at least has been used as a reliever before, and for a consistent amount of time, he's been used as a reliever before. You'd still look for at least four innings out of Hauk. But if Paxson gives you, even if Paxson and Hauk only give you seven combined, that's three and four, or four and three, or two and five, or five and two, however you want to put it. You're getting seven innings out of two guys. That's the same as a starter going six and a one reliever coming in and throwing an inning. You get seven anyways in that same situation, right? Or they give you three and three and you get six. The same as your starter going five, as a Nick Pavetta, let's say, going five, and Bernardino or Blyer or Chris Martin or who knows coming in and pitching the sixth inning, right? It's the You still get the same amount of innings that way, right? Um, so you're still using two pitchers for those innings. Um I that's what I personally would do. And because they have that off day and once a week, I don't think it's going to really hurt the rotation that much. So that's personally what I do. I think they'll end up sending Bale down and starting Paxton either Friday or Saturday. Right. I think the one issue with sending Bale down right now is I think in the new CBA, you can only send a player down what three times. You can only option them three times in a season. Is that the, isn't that the rule? It's either three or five. I'm not hundred. I don't hundred percent remember. I think yeah, it was I, actually five, that that whatever. that'd be a big difference actually. I, but, yeah, but you can't call him up for 15 days now. That's unless, unless someone gets injured. Now, like if another now, the White Sox couldn't call him up for a position player because they'd have too many pitchers. You only have a limit of 13 pitchers on your roster. Yeah, White Sox are at 13, so if a position player were to get injured, you couldn't call Bayo up. Obviously, even if you want another pitcher, they can't have another pitcher. Um, but if someone another pitcher were to get injured, Bayo wouldn't surprise me, even if it was a bullpen guy getting injured, you know what? Are you going to really call up Caleb Ort? Yeah. Like, I mean, I could see it, but, like, I could see them doing it, but at the same time, like, really? You're really going to call up Caleb Ort? Like, even if you just have Bale make a spot start and jump to a six-man rotation for one time around, right? That, I mean, like, that's, that's personally what I'd do. Just, and then, like, have him and, I almost said, oh, my God. Him and Kluber, I think, compete for that spot. I don't know because me, I know it's hard. I, to I feel do like that's Phantom rough, though. It is rough. Well, it's hard. But... I, it's hard to do though a six man rotation right now, yeah, because they have an off day once a week, right? And it's and this week they have it on Thursday. The next three weeks it's on Thursday. So what's going to happen is everyone in the rotation is going to get six. Is going to get is going to start on a let's say a Thursday, and then they're pitching the next week on Thursday, right? They're getting. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday off. They're getting six days off in between every start. Normal is four days. So you're giving them two extra days. I don't love that. Starters are very much creatures of habit, especially when you have guys like James Baxton, Chris Sale, Corey Huber, veterans who are probably creatures of habit. I don't like giving them six days in between starts. Um, And then also, too, it's like, and then like the week after the off day is a Monday. So then you have an off day on a Thursday and a Monday. So a couple guys are going to get like seven days off between a start. Well, they'll start on like a Wednesday and then a Thursday or something like, or something weird like that. Like it, it gets rough, right? Doing the whole, uh, or sorry. Not, yeah. Yeah. It gets weird doing the whole like 
six player rotation when you have an off day once a week. It just it doesn't work, unfortunately, which sucks because I think a six man rotation would be a good option if they had one of those 17 games and 17 days stretches. But they don't have that, unfortunately. Right. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing that's going to be interesting is when Whitlock comes back, too, because you got to have a lot of decisions to make there. And I'll give you the two sides, one where I think what's going to happen and what I think should happen. What I think should happen is Whitlock goes back to the bullpen. I know he's built up as a starter, Derek, but I just don't want him getting injured where I know he can pitch really well in the bullpen. Um you know, maybe he develops into a long-term closer. I know Jansen's here for two years, but maybe he just learns off of Jansen. And yeah, because we all we heard we hear the term long-term sustainability from High and Bloom. It'd be great if we can get that closer for a long term, because um, Jansen only has so much time left. And Jansen, he might get placed on the IL because left and right he's getting back spasms. Because like, what's going on with him? You know, I don't know. That's what I do. And then the other and the other thing what will probably happen i think i think you might be right bayo is going to probably get sent down because Corey kluber is just staying i don't know what he has what... been bad though recently like that's a thing too it's not like he's been horrible yeah. his last couple starts yeah exactly he he hasn't been he hasn't been like he hasn't been great but he's been he kept you in the game essentially he's done he's done the bare minimum in in a sense he's given you like five innings and he gives up two, three, four runs. That's kind of what yeah. I expect from him. And that's just the yeah. bare minimum. Like, okay, if we can get this and the offense is going, then I'll be happy. He's barely doing that. So yeah, I, I still think every start he's on a, the hot seat. I think he just gives me Garrett Richards vibes, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, but he can't go in the bullpen. You you can't throw, be throwing 88 in the bullpen though. You just right. can't be. Um, now, like like for with Kluber, if he can give you five six innings consistently and only give up two or three runs, even if it's even if six innings three runs, I know it's a four fifty ERA. That doesn't sound amazing, but you know what it does? It keeps you in the ball game, right? And I think that's the that's the, that's the thing with Kluber. It's like if he's gonna keep you in the game, and at least you know give you a shot at winning. That's I think that's all you're asking him to do. You're not asking him to be Cy Young Corey Kluber. So if he goes in and you have a chance to win just about every start he has, it's literally what Framber Valdez has been doing for the Astros in the last two years. He's has he how often is Framber Valdez just lights out like seven innings, no runs, like doesn't happen a lot. But you know what he does? He goes six innings and only gives up two or three runs every single start. He had like twenty five straight uh, straight quality starts, which is six six innings or more, three or less runs. That's what he does keeps you in the game right and i think that's what you're looking for for kluber just keep keep you in the to keep the red sox in the game every single time i think that's what they're looking for can they get that from him i mean they have recently in the last his last couple starts when whitlock comes back i mean i don't really know because i mean there could be another injury by then i mean who knows right and when we talk about whitlock on the bullpen i don't see him as a closer i see him more as like your like fireman guy like you need a guy to get out of a tough spot Garrett, I want to go to Garrett Whitlock. I like, uh, I've said this elsewhere, but like with Josh Winkowski, I don't want him being that fireman. I, I want to give him a clean inning, right? And that's not a knock on Josh Winkowski. The guy's also a former starter, hasn't been in the bullpen before this year. Give him a clean inning, right? I'd rather see Josh Winkowski be the closer than Garrett Whitlock just because mm-hmm. I want Whitlock two guys on base in a one run game with no outs in the inning or one out in the inning. Give me Garrett Whitlock. 
Kachuk in that situation. Um, he's the one guy I would want if he's in the bullpen. I would not be against him starting, though, at the same time. he's Him and Tanner Houck are both guys where either way, it's not gonna, like I'm not like I, I, I can see the reason for it, and it's not necessarily going to bother me either way, whichever way they go with the two of them. It's just one of those things where where does it fit best for the team? If it's the bullpen, then do that. If it's in the rotation, then do that. But I've also been a guy. I've said it. I don't know if I've said it, but I, what I want this offseason, I want the Red Sox to go out and get at least two starters, right? I think yeah. Cooper's gone. I, I think there's. I mean, maybe. I mean, Pavetta only has one more year on his deal after this season. Uh, then he's a free agent. Maybe he moves to the mold, bullpen. I don't know what happens with him. We have Bayo. Um, even we have Pavetta, Sale, Pavetta, Bayo. I mean. Besides that, like Paxson's gone, right? Kluber's gone. Then it's like Halk and Whitlock, but like, like I've I've been a big proponent for getting a guy like a Julio Urias, right? And then you yeah. get him, and then you add like a I I'm big on Yoshinobu Yamamoto too. He's gonna come over from Japan. Let's say hypothetically you get him, then you run a rotation of like Sale or like Urias, probably your opening day starter. Then you're running with Sale, Yamamoto, Bayo, and Pavetti, whether it's Pavetta wow. or one of Halko. Like that's a nasty rotation, and that's why I've been like Red Sox need to stay under luxury tax this year because then they can go over it next year if they want. They're over it last year. You go over it this year, you cannot go over it next year. They won't go over three years in a row with the CBA. So they, I think they have to stay under it this year to give them an opportunity, yeah. the opportunity to go over it next two years. Doesn't mean they have to go over it in twenty four as well, which I know would upset a lot of Red Sox fans if they don't for two consecutive years. But it's a thing of managing where they spend their money. I think you go big in the rotation because if you put Hauk in the bullpen, if you put Whitlock, you have Jansen. You're going to have Winkowski. You're going to have Schreiber. Um, you might even, who knows? I don't know if Chris Martin will be back. I don't know if Byer will be back. But, like, you start looking at a bullpen with Henley as your closer. Then you have Winkowski and Hauk. And then Schreiber and then Whitlock. Like, that's a, that's stupid. And then you also Cutter Crawford in there, too. That's six mm-hmm. or seven bullpen guys. If everyone's healthy, like yeah. that's and Jolie Rodriguez as a player. I mean, as a player or team, their team option, one of the two, he could stay. Yeah. I think Martin signed a two year deal, didn't he? Yeah, if he is, that's eight got right. You have two eight years, eighteen now, mil. Uh, Henley was one was two years for eighteen a year. I don't know what Martin two years thirty two was. I think I'm pretty sure Martin was two. For I don't know. 18. It might have been. I don't hundred percent remember it, but yeah, it might have been. But still, they, and it's another guy who's back, right? So like the bolt, they could have like a stupidly overpowered bullpen, like stupid bullpen. Um, and then you like, like I said, that rotate hypothetical rotation of Urias and Yamamoto, adding them to the mix, like that's a really good rotation. I mean, Chris Sale was throwing what ninety nine against Philly. That was the first time since twenty eighteen. Like, it's a really good rotation, and Urias it's can wild. take over that number one lefty spot when Sale leaves. After I, bl- I kind of believe Sale leaves after twenty twenty four. I don't mm-hmm. think he stays, or if he does, it'd be a definitely a reduced deal, uh, reduced money. So even if he did stay, it wouldn't be the same. Yeah. So it wouldn't be the same money. So Urias essentially would take sales spot on on the uh, on the money on the books, right? With the money after twenty four. So, and that's why I think the Red Sox. They even when you get to a trade deadline this year, you have to stay under the luxury tax just to give yourself. The opportunity just to give yourself the option because if you don't, if you go over this year, you don't have an option, you have to stay under next year. Should that really be a thing for the Red Sox? No, it should, it really shouldn't matter, but it does. It, right. Yeah. You, you send the number one starter or Yamamoto 
if he if he if he's gonna be what he does in Japan, if that translates to the major leagues, oh my god, he's gonna be gross. Wouldn't he be? Hi, can you hear me? Sorry, it's just I got you now. I froze. Yeah, my 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 Wi-Fi's my Wi-Fi's terrible. <laughs> Jesus, there's one person to blame. Um, no, Dave um, O'Brien. Dave O'Brien. <laughs> no, JP Sears. Um. But yeah, you got. Uh, we're gonna blame. No, we we blame Aaron Boone. Yeah, Aaron Boone or Phil Nevin. Um, but yeah, if we if Yamamoto can be the guy who we all thought he is in like Japan, if that translates over, he's gonna be a stud. So, or yeah, um, he, like back to back Cy Young winner, back to back MVP, back to back Cy Youngs in Japan, like that's unheard of. It's never happened before in Japan. I know, I know. And uh, and then even if you can't get him, you know, there's always Urias. Well, I think that's going to be tough. He's a Boris client. And then or Nola. He's also Mexican buddies with Verdugo and Duran. Yeah, who knows? Um, there's Nola. There's um, Strowman. I believe he's a free agent, but he has yeah. a player option. I'm a big Strowman guy. A lot of people hate Strowman. I'm a big Strowman guy. As like a solid, as a, like a number, if Strowman is your number three in your rotation, Give me that all day. Give me that all day. Yeah. I'll pay him $25 million. It'd be a really, really, really good number three. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm excited for what they could put, potentially bring, but let's talk about the present right now. But I don't know where to go with this conversation, Derek. Anything on your mind? <laughs> um, well, let's talk about this current team, though, and, and, and let's talk about this. Uh, we there's a lot of talk right now about you know what happens when everyone's healthy. I'll read to you the names on the injured list. This is the Red Sox probably could make a team out of guys on the injured list: Trevor Story, Hugh Chang, Adalberto Mondesi, Christian Arroyo. That's four guys who can play middle infield. You have Adam Duvall, James Paxton, who's going to be coming back. We know that Garrett Whitlock, Cutter Crawford, Zach Kelly, Wyatt Mills, and Joely Rodriguez. That's a lot of guys on the injured list. A lot of guys on the injured list. I mean, you can only withhold withstand so many injuries, but at the same time, it's like, what happens when all these guys come back? Because you start looking up and down this team, like Brazier seems like a reasonable guy to get rid of, like more than reasonable. Uh, Latell seems like he'll probably go, but there he's. I think he can be better than Caleb Fort. So there's that. Um, I Bernardino make is making the case for him to stay. I mean, even stronger, but he does have options, so that maybe he, maybe he could go. I don't know though. Um, like it's like there's so many. Like you look at the line, like Dahlbeck, he's there. He's leaving as soon as the Royals bat. Um, but then he like what happens to a guy like Emmanuel Valdez, right? Mondesi right. is eventually going to come back. You know, then even if it's not a Mondesi who takes him off the roster. Yu Chang, does Yu Chang get back on the roster? Because, like, I know he's so important for that stretch, but at the same time, like, do you take Valdez off? Do you send Valdez back down to Triple A? Like, and if it's not Yu Chang or Monacy, Trevor Story's coming back. Like, it's, it makes it so, like, tough. And it's almost like, like, and, like, I think Emmanuel Valdez, there's a chance he could be the Red Sox, like, DH in 2024, just because his defense is not bad. But it's not good, right? right? Like he's settling in more, but at the same time, it's like it. Like he feels like a guy you could play. 
he feels like in terms of defense, he feels like Luis Arise. He probably shouldn't be at second base, but like where else are you gonna put him? Because Luis Arise, he's played first base, he's played third base. I don't know if he's played third base in the big leagues, he's played in the minor leagues. I think he even played a little bit of the outfield in the minor leagues. But where does he end up? Second base. Why? Because where are you gonna put him? I mean, you could put him at first, but it's like the Marlins can't because they have first base already covered. So he's gotta mm-hmm. put second there, right? I feel like Red Sox already have first base covered with Cassis. Can't, can he really play anywhere else other than second base? Not really. Maybe he ends up a guy being a DH. and Because I don't know how if Justin Turner stays after this year. Is, he does have a player option. I'm not saying he will leave. But if he does, I mean, maybe look at like a Valdez in the DH spot. Because um, Kike, I'm, I think he's gone after this year. I truly believe that. Unless he's going to be willing to take a utility role off the bench. Because it's I don't think definitely he's interesting. Starting that. So it's like, it's like, so like, but you start looking at a guy like about this, where does he end up, right? When guys start coming back, because he's been playing well. Now he's only hitting against right. He's not, they're not starting him against lefty. So maybe there's a little bit of a takeaway from him. But at the same time, he's hitting well enough against right. He's like, and it's like, you look at the outfield, Adam Duvall comes back. You can't carry six outfielders. You can't carry Duvall and Yoshida and Verdugo and Duran and Ref Snyder Tapia. and Tapia. Can't, Tapia is probably the guy who's most likely to leave, but like, do you really want to just DFA Tapia? You can't do that. You gotta, you gotta, he's see. too good to just like, but the thing is, like, who's gonna give you anything of any significance? Cause they know mm-hmm. you gotta just DFA him. You're stuck. You, I know someone would claim him. Now there's a chance he might get something because some, a team might go, oh, we don't want him to go through waivers because we know someone will claim him before he gets to us. But at the same time, it's like you're still not getting anything of significance from getting rid of Tapia, right? And he's not bad to have. And like if Duran continues to play well, which it's still a little it, there's still an if there, right? Mm-hmm. Um because like at the end of the day, I guess Duran looked much better than we ever seen, but at the same time, it's been in the big leagues for what, two weeks, three weeks? Like it's still not a bit not even three weeks, it's gotta be like two weeks. It's not a big sample size, right? Maybe he gets hauled also too. Could be any more injuries. Maybe like maybe a rough Snyder gets hurt or a Tapia gets hurt, and it opens and it event it kind of opens up that roster spot for a guy like a Duval to take when he's healthy because you can't count that out, right? You don't know who might get injured in the next in the coming weeks. We don't know, but it, it there's a lot of problems the rest of us have to solve. Are they good problems to have? Yes, they are. You you can never have too much depth. But they're getting into like a Tampa Bay Rays kind of scenario here where it's like you have like you literally might have 35 guys on the 40 man who deserve to be on the big league roster. But you can't put 35 guys on the big league roster. And when they start to get healthy, like that's been my thing for the Rays. It's like I think I look at their Rays AAA roster. I'm like, that guy could be in the big leagues. That guy could be in the big leagues. That guy could be in the big leagues. But they can't be in the big leagues because the Rays have 26 guys that are better than them somehow. And it's like, and that's where it just gets going to get rough. It's like, what do you do with all these guys? And the other thing, though, if you have to start DFAing guys like a Yu Chang, like potentially top here, maybe you get straight away, right? Those guys, maybe they get straight away in minor trades. Let's just get something small back, like a low A prospect or a, a FCL prospect, or whatever. Like, it wouldn't be anything big. Yeah, maybe get something back. But at the same time, it's like, so like, there are going to be a lot of 40 man spots opening up. So, I mean, maybe that helps yep. with someone getting called up, but it's still like David Hamilton starting on the 40 man, right? Like, will your brain? He's already on the 40. I know you have a guy like a veteran, like a Greg Allen, who has been doing well for the most part in AAA. I mean, he's not on the 40 man. You have Jorge Alfaro. He's not on the 40 man, right? 
Um, so you have options there. You have options calling up there. Like you have a guy like a Nico Goodrum who has still not that been that good at all in AAA. But I mean, veteran with versatility. I mean, someone gets injured and you, I mean, he's an option. Is he an ideal option? No. But mm. He's an option, right? You can play all the all four infield and all three out. Well, I don't know if you can play center anymore, but you can play the infield and the outfield, right? So in, it's it's an option there. So it's it's just really rough to find though. Like where do they go when all, everyone's healthy? When everyone's healthy, assuming everyone's healthy at the same time, which is ninety nine point nine 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 percent chance of not happening. Someone will get injured at some point, right? It's just who will it be? And I think that's the big question. But it also yeah. gives the Red Sox that you have some wiggle room, and I think the big thing's going to come up at the trade deadline. Where do they up? Where do they upgrade? Right, right? and then and then there's where the other do thing where it's like I think what they're going to do with Duvall, I think they're just going to showcase him. If Duran's going to be on the tear he is on right now, then how the hell do you just get rid of him? He's been so good for this team. As of right now, it could change. He could lower his batting average or something. I don't know, but yeah. point being, if he continues the tear he's on. Why are you going to get Duvall the spot back? So what I think they're going to do is they're going to showcase him and then ship him off. You know, maybe if you ship some of these guys off, you can get a solid starter for that rotation. Or it, it might be a pipe. It might be a dream, but like package some of the guys that you have hurt right now. Or maybe one of the reasons they're not experimenting with David Hamilton is they want to save him and then package him and a few other guys for some top end starter at the deadline. I know we're talking months and months in advance, but who knows? It's going to be very interesting. That's not really months and months in advance, though. It's going to come up sooner than people expect, well, yeah, right? Sooner than we and think. Then, but, but also, yeah. too, like, I don't think it'd be a guy like a David Hamilton because they do have limited middle infield depth, especially now with the injuries. But like someone like a Brian Maddow, who's had a little bit of a rough start in AAA um, this year, and he's been walking a lot of guys. He doesn't have any more minor league options after this year. The Red Sox can't send him down after spring training next year. They have to pass him through waivers if they send him down. Really? So he's a guy. Yeah, he's a guy where Jeez. like they got to make a decision on him. Does he end up in the bullpen? Do you start him? Do you trade him at the trade deadline? Right? They should. Gonna, do they? Do you trade him in the off season? A lot of questions with a guy like that. Right? That's a guy who I can see getting traded. Right? So they there there's like a lot of question marks with the Red Sox as an organization. They're going to have to figure out, like, most likely, like, story's going to come back, but, like, Mishnorio gets hurt again, or Kike goes down with something, or someone goes down, right? So, it, it's just, like, that's the thing. Duvall, yeah, Duvall might come back, but by the time Duvall comes back, you might an outfielder might be injured. I've said, like, maybe, like, the problem is, like, if Casa starts hitting, you can't really put Duvall anywhere. Because even if you put him in the outfield and slide Yoshida to DH, then what do you do with Justin Turner? You can put him at first, but you can't play him at first every day. And if Casa starts hitting, you really can't put him at first. You're not going to put him at third base for Rafi. Right. right? So you can't put him in the outfield because redu- now maybe against lefties, you could get away with playing him instead of Duran. But like against righties, are you going to? Probably not. Right. Uh-huh. So it's, it just puts, it puts them in like a really weird spot where like, what can they really do? It's just like wait and see. All we can do is really predict, but it's kind of hard to predict because we don't know what's. We can't tell the future. We don't know who might get injured, who's going to get hot, who's going to get cold, who's going to struggle. If there's any trades that happen, because I know Duvall, a lot of people have been saying kind of June comeback, but maybe he gets has a setback and he doesn't come back till July, right? Trevor Story, I know a lot of people are saying July. 
might not come back till August or even September. We don't know. He might not come back this season. That's that what I too, said. I right? said I could see him coming back in July if this seems competitive. I could also see him punting the season. And because why would the Red Sox, if they if they're not in it, why are the Red Sox gonna say, why are we gonna rush this guy if we're not going anywhere? Even I if could also see it, the though. opposite. I could also see the opposite, Derek. I could also see, okay, this guy's 85%. He's good enough to play. So okay, he's back. You know, I could see they want, I I think they'll wait till 100 percent But if 100 percent is in July, they'll bring them back in July. If it's not till September, they'll bring them back. They won't we'll wait till September. But they will not bring them back until you can play shortstop. That is my belief. They will not bring them back until you can play shortstop. If he cannot play shortstop, they won't call him up. They will not okay. bring him up. They'll just keep him on the injured list, right? And they won't even send him on a rehab assignment. I think his Trevor Story's clear test is not whether or not he can hit. You can't. You don't have any room in the DH spot for him. You can't put him. He's got to be able to play at the very least second base, most likely shortstop. You need him to be able to play shortstop this year. And if he can't play shortstop, you're rolling with Kike Hernandez or Mondesi if he's healthy, right? Because the chances are by the end of the year, Yu Chang's not going to be on the roster. Chance that's that's more likely than not. Right. So yeah. or maybe you see, oh, he's probably not going to be back at all this year. Maybe you make a deadline move for a shortstop on expiring contract. So that's unlikely, though. I would think that's unlikely. So they, yeah. they just kind of they're going to be in a really like interesting scenario with story. My my thing is this year isn't as even if they're in contention, they're not going to rush story back because as important as this year could be the next few years might be even more important and they don't want to risk the rest of that contract just for this year. Oh, right. Yeah. It, it's, it's tough. And, you know, like I said before, this is one of the better problems to have. And yeah. the, the one, the one comparison to Tampa Bay, or I should say the one thing Tampa Bay has that we don't Tampa Bay just has pitching prospects that they just keep fielding out and they're good. And they the just have a, yeah. Right. They just, don't you see it with Tampa Bay? They just bring someone in and you're like, what the heck? He has good stuff. And they're it's like, well, wait till you see this guy and wait till you see this guy. Yes. We, and we don't, we, we actually have the opposite actually, because we don't have. Although I think we, we might maybe be starting to get there, but it's kind of low minor still yeah. developing. Yeah. Not Brian, really who, who's your best pitching prospect right now? And that's not Brian Bale. Is Johan. It? Johan. Bale's not a prospect. It's Johan right now. Okay. His... Isn't, he in double, isn't he in double A though? Double A. Yeah. Yeah. He's in he double just Eastern League pitcher he, of the month. His stuff's his stuff's awesome, dude. I, yeah, he I, just, I, he his stuff ticked. You know, I'm one of Yeah, his velo ticked up. He added a cutter this offseason that looks really good too. So having that fourth uh, four pitches now instead of three, it's helped him. But I think the biggest thing has been the velo tick up. Um, he's, he can he can now he's now throwing hard. Oh, I think two two to three miles per hour harder. So that's really helping him. Um, I know Sox prospects they put out their new uh, top six prospects. He's up to fifth in the system. And they have him as their top pitching prospect, which I agree with. Mattis had some struggle, show, uh, struggles in AAA. So has Walter and Murphy. They've kind of struggled out of the gate. Um, and and Matta has the whole yeah. thing. And yeah, and Matta, like I said, has a whole thing of can he even be a starter? Because he's he's got like 24 walks in 20 innings this year. Oh, God. That's like, it's rough. And that's, and that, you know, that screams reliever. That scheme's reliever, right? You know, the relievers when you see like a like Gregory Soto this year has like seven walks per nine. I don't know if it's actually seven, but I'm, I'm I might be exaggerating a little bit, but it's high. Like his career walks per nine is I guarantee it's over five. It's stupidly high, right? I don't think he's had a year where his walks per nine have been under five. 
Brian Mattis seems like he might end up as a reliever. And that's not a bad thing. He could be a very, very effective reliever. He could be a, be a back end of the bullpen guy. Yeah. But it, they have to figure that out, right? And if he ends up becoming a reliever, his prospect status does kind of drop because relievers aren't as valuable as starters. That's kind of how it is. Um, even though they are as value more valuable than they have ever been, they're still not as valuable. Like that's why like a, a, a solid number three starter can get 25 million and a top end closer can only get 20 million. That's just, that's just how it is. Right. So then while they're, I don't think if they're, if they, inv- if they see that, then like, why are they going to wait and bring him up when they can just trade him? That'd be great. Well, that's the thing. That's what the, that becomes the question of the trade deadline. Do you trade any of those three AAA guys, especially Mata, who, like I said, you have to make a decision on it and, and soon. You can't wait till spring training and next year to figure it out. Like, they've got to figure it out. Now, it doesn't mean they'll move into the bullpen in Worcester. Maybe they just wait till the trade deadline and then they move him. If you get to the trade deadline and he doesn't get moved, don't be shocked. If he's still walking a lot of guys, don't be shocked if he gets moved into yeah. the bullpen in Worcester. That would not be a shock at all. Uh, I think he's a, one of the legit candidates that could be traded at the deadline. Just because all those problems of you don't have any options for him next year. So he's got to be on the big league roster or he's going to be sent down. Uh, and sent down, go through waivers to be sent down. And he's not getting through waivers. I would put my life on he's Some team, some team would pick, whether it's even a team like the Nationals would say, we'll take him. Right? Yeah. We have room on our big league roster for him. We, we're the Nationals or we're the A's. We'll take him. Right? Trade him for JP Sears. <laughs> some team would do it but some team would take him so you can't pass him through waivers so it's like it, uh, they do have to figure it out before the latest I think they can trade him is this offseason if he enters spring training with the MLB team I think that says that they think he'll make the big league team what role it might be in we won't find out either until then or until later this year this season but I think mm-hmm. heading into spring training, you'll know what his role is. You'll know whether or not they want him to be a reliever or a starter, and you'll and you'll be able to tell if he's still with the team. They think he'll make the roster. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I I, I think what I want Bloom to do if they're if these guys are competitive and these guys are showing the fight they are by mid July, go go be aggressive because Bloom didn't really yes. do that. He didn't do that. Obviously, he sold in twenty twenty. He got rid of all the short-term guys in Pilar, Moreland, and um, oh, he almost traded Vasquez, I remember. But then in 2021... To the race, almost. To the race, Jesus. Him and Barnes were going to be packaged, if I remember correctly. Um, you know that more than me, probably. But anyways... Yeah. Um, then 21, you know, you, you, you're you very... You were in a pickle because you were the best team in the AL East. So it's like, do you want to spend and go over the top? It's almost like what the and we 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 realized that they should have spent a lot more because it screwed up the morale in the clubhouse and um the one guy they did get wasn't going to be ready in two weeks. I know they got Robles and Austin Fudge Davis, but um it, it took a lot for a while for Robles to settle in. But anyways, point being they they had Schwarber and it took him a while. It took them two weeks to get ready, but those were the most important two weeks where they needed a guy like Schwarber. So I want to see Bloom be very much aggressive. He had, Bloom has not had a good track of being successful at trade deadlines. I think the jury's still out even on um, 2020. Yeah. I mean, when you when you look at 22, you look at the trades he made, he looks like he's done what really well in all of them. The thing is, 
the moves yeah. he didn't make is what. Well, no, no, the trade bad. deadline. I'm just saying, yeah, ex- the yeah, trade I know. deadline. No, I know. Like, like, no, I know. Like, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. Like, I know you're. I know you're. What two games out of the second wild card? But you're you're more than one impact player away from being competitive. So, so what do you? So what do you? Why why don't you just trade JD Martinez, trade Avaldi, and trade? Freaking Vasquez, but they decided if they were just... takers, though. That's the the other question. They I might saw have not something been takers. That's the only other problem. Yeah, I saw something out there that said that said the the Red Sox had a deal ready that would have sent like JD for the Mets number five prospect. I saw that somewhere. I cannot tell you where. No, you're I guarantee there's no ch- there's no chance that would have happened. Yeah, I think you probably know more than me, but I, I saw that somewhere. I don't know how. Like I said, how reliable it was, but. If it, it, he might have been with Avaldi, but point being, if that was the case, then what are we doing? I don't know. Probably not. But, but yeah. So, so Dave O'Brien. Want to talk about him? Yeah, no, my, I'm good. My earbuds just died on me. So that's great. Um, so yeah, no, I'm fine. I'm fine to go. I just have to mute when I'm not talking because it'll, I got to play it through my laptop. But no, um, Oh, I, I I'm excited for this for this year for the Red Sox though. It's they have there's high hopes, right? There's high hopes, mm-hmm. but I'm just more so hoping that they they're like we know there's a plan. Do we know what the plan is? No, we don't know what the plan is. Oh I wish we knew what the plan is. Um, I I also have faith that I'm Bloom to deliver on whatever the plan is. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a long term plan, right? Um, that's what they brought in time to do. I have faith in that long term plan. It's just Will it work out? That's the big question. Um, but like you see some of the stuff that's going on in the minor leagues with Nick York and Marcelo Meyer and all the guys down there, and it's like, oh, looks good. Now the big league team looks good. And we look at a guy like Masataka Yoshida. I mean, he's been amazing, right? Like 16 game hitting streak. Just all the pieces have to fall in the puzzle, and the right the, all the pieces of the puzzle have to fit in. If they can figure out how the pieces fit in to make the team the best it can be. They're going to be dangerous this year. And it's not going to be uh, maybe they make the playoffs, maybe they won't. They'll be dangerous in the playoffs if everything goes right and they can stay healthy enough. Um, Because that's the thing I say with the race. They're never healthy. But if they can stay healthy enough, they're a threat to everyone in the playoffs. I feel like that's going to be the Red Sox this year. If they can stay healthy and healthy enough and have a lineup and at least a couple – have a full line of guys who who are everyday talent and they can keep a healthy rotation, healthy bullpen for the most part, they're going to be a threat to anyone they play in the postseason should they get there. So it should be a very exciting year. Oh my God. Dude, did you just see who won the NHL draft lottery? Wow. That's crazy. I'm upset about it. Yeah. Oh, I thought I thought it yeah, I feel bad for half of those teams. But I was hoping it was gonna be Arizona just because like they're my second team, but no, Arizona can't have anything nice. Let's, they can't have us. Yeah. They can't have an arena. They can't have any good. They only have Clayton Keller, and he's so good that he made them too good because they didn't have as good as pick odds because he's that good. I don't know. Uh, the only thing I was hoping is, like, you don't see, like, any, like, Canadian team get him just because I have a thing against Canadian teams, uh, although I was kind of hoping, like, wouldn't be the Blackhawks. I was hoping any American team but the Blackhawks, and the Blackhawks got it, so... Yeah, the Blackhawks, I think, are going to be good next year, unfortunately, which kind of sucks. But what can you do? It's probably rigged anyways, let's be honest. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll go to hockey for a second. Um, 
Yeah, I, I listened to the uh, Off the Monster episode. I, I love listening to that episode we did. And we're just like, you, you're you're the one who said, you know, if they run into Florida, I think they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. And I, I look back and I'm like, oh, my God, we just sound stupid. And we're like, no, nah, they're fine. If not, they're just going to steamroll them. <laughs> well, um, yeah, unfortunate unfortunate yeah well well i mean i said it and out of like a legend because florida beat the bruins twice in the regular season only one of two two teams to do that lot uh, this season you're right and that florida team like i know they're a seed there it's like the miami heat like jimmy butler led team should not be the eight seed in the nba they were the florida panthers with the talent they have should not have been an eight seed they should not have been the the team that the Bruins played. But guess what? They were. I was hoping and praying the Penguins got into the playoffs because I thought the Bruins could have beat the Penguins easily. The Islanders, I think they could have beaten, but I would have been a little nervous about just because it's the Islanders. And even if you win the series, it's not going to be a good series for you. Like, you're, it's hard to make the Islanders look bad. They got the Panthers. I was, uh, like, I don't want to play against Kachuk for seven games, potentially. Like, Guy's a pain in the behind. Like, uh, uh-uh, no, I don't want to play against Barkov and how good he is. Like, I think he's like arguably like I think he's one of the best two way centers in in hockey. It's like Bergeron, and then he's up there for number two. Like, they, like that team is like sneak Ekblad when he's healthy is one of the best defensemen in the league. They end up bringing Bobrovsky in, and like it was a game three or game four, and he was very good. I mean, and when you have a goalie at, like Bobrovsky, he can always stand on his head when he needs to. Uh, he's a guy where I know he hasn't been as good as he was in Columbus recently, but like, you know what team beat the Lightning when they set the record for most points in a year? Um, Yeah, the, the Blue Jackets with Sergei Bobrovsky in net, right? Like, I don't want to play that guy. I know we didn't start the first couple games, but still, like, I don't want to go up against a team with that guy on it. And if they're not starting, then the guy they're starting is probably better. no. I don't want to face that team, right? That, that's kind of how I saw it. And, but, like, it, it's just a team, like, and they added Sam Bennett into the lineup, and that's just, like, no, even if the Bruins win that series, that's not a fun series to get through. Like, even if you see the Bruins win, and then you got to go up against the Maple Leafs, who I, it's the Maple Leafs, but at the same time, it's, like, after that a war of a series against Florida, like, it's like, ugh. That, yeah, you beat, the, yeah, maybe you beat Toronto. Okay. Then who do you got? What? Carolina or New, or New Jersey? Carolina, Carolina, okay. New Jersey, just speed. Like, that's not a good matchup for the Bruins. Just speed, speed, and speed. Like, it could have got real. And, like, even in the – you look at the Western Conference, like Edmonton, I don't love that matchup. Their power play is outrageous. Uh, you look at Vegas. Seattle. I don't, like Vegas. I don't like Vegas. I don't like – I think Seattle's sneaky. I think they are. Um, and then even Dallas. I think Dallas is good too, right? And I don't think any of those teams match up that – I don't think the Bruins match up with all those teams amazingly, right? So it's – especially a team like Dallas who has a goalie in Ottinger. You have a team in Seattle that Drew Power won a Stanley Cup with Colorado. He can stand on his head in the postseason. You know, he can be solid. He's not one of the best goalies in the league, but he's still really good. Like, you look, and that's a motivated Seattle team. Uh, you know, we saw it run Vegas at Vegas. You don't want to play Vegas. Um and then you look at the Oilers. It's like, here's my thing. If you get, if Edmonton gets McDavid and dry settle into the Stanley cup finals, I think they win. Yeah. <laughs> and that's what's scary. They're so good. Both of them are so good. It's like, 
I don't want to play them. Like, can someone else just knock them out before the sun? And that's why, like, the Bruins, like, although they had such good regular season, the postseason was always going to be tricky for them because their first round, they're getting either the Islanders or Florida, and neither of them are fun matchups to go through, and it kind of throws off the vibe of the rest of the postseason because you get that terrible series. And then you get either Tampa or Toronto, which, you know, you can beat both of them, but not easy series at all. Then, okay, you get a team, let's say you get a team like a New Jersey. That's not a good series. Like, that's a terrible matchup. New Jersey is there, they skate so well, and they added Luke Hughes to that team. Like, that's not a good matchup. Or even, I don't even think Carolina, even with the injuries they have, they're not a good matchup. I think they're coached very well. Um, and then, so like that, that, but I think at the end of the day, it's just, it sucks about the Bruins, but at the same time, it's like, they got a terrible matchup for them. Like, Florida was the one team where I, I said it, I was like, it's just not a good matchup for them. Um, yeah. And that, and that's what ended up happening. Hashtag NHL rigged is trend, trending on Twitter right now. <laughs> I know. It, it's wild. I, I saw your reaction there, but oh, man. Um, yes, it's definitely rigged. Arizona still won it. Yeah, yeah, I, as long, although I am happy Bedard's on an American team, just so Canada can't get him. I was up, I was kind of wishing, I was kind of look like a revisionist, like history kind of look back. It's like you couldn't have gotten McDavid to an American team. Like, come on, like mm. you don't have to get like that. And I think Edmonton, I was like, their, their fourth, first overall pick in like six years or something wild like that. Like, couldn't have just given it to like a random American team. Like, I don't know, Arizona. Mm-hmm. I don't are, know. Are or, yeah, are you a Bruins fan first? Yeah, oh, easily. But Arizona's like do? my second team. Yeah, okay. What do you think the Bruins do? I have no clue. It all relies on what happens with Bergeron and Krejci, right? If they retire, I think you like I've said this before. Like well, I've said this before off air with, with the off the monster crew with Jeremy and Mister Brown, and we were looking at it, and I was looking at their cap friendly, and I'm looking at their depth chart, and I'm like. Dude, up the middle, it's rough. Like, it's Zaka and Coyle and, like, Frederick as your third center, maybe? If you if even want to have him play center, like, it is rough, right? Like, I think Zaka becomes your first-line center. And the the perfect Bergeron and Krejci are gone scenario is you have a line of, I think you end up with a line of, this thing, you could either have a line of Marshan, Zaka, and Pasternak, or you can go get yourself a left wing, whether it's Bertuzzi staying or someone else, and have them play left wing with Zaka and Pasternak. Then you end up with a line of – then it depends on do you want to bring in a second-line center, which I know money's going to get a little bit tight, but, I mean, trade Mike Riley for something. Yeah, I don't care if you have to trade a pick to get rid of him. Get rid of that $3 million contract. I know it's only 1.8 against the cap because 1.2 gets eaten in the minors. Get rid of Forbert's three million. He's not bad, but it's like three million. Like that—that's a combined what four point eight million that you can use elsewhere, besides a sixth and what seventh defenseman. Like, please use that elsewhere, right? And that bumps you up to from like ten million to just shy of fifteen million, or about fifteen million, right? From ten ten point something, it is. I think so. It puts you at about fifteen million. You could sign a Bertuzzi. You could sign a second line center. And run Marshan that second line center in Debrusque. Then you run like some wacky third line with like a Hall with like Hall Coyle and Frederick, or maybe Frederick is on the fourth line. And you call up a young guy from the AHL, whether it's like a Lysel or someone else. Um, but yeah. I think it would most likely be Frederick on the third line. And then you're looking out of a fourth line of 
just like your typical fourth liners, right? Nothing crazy, but they'll get the job done. Yeah. And that's still a pretty deep team. Is it a great team? No, but it's a, I think it's a good team that can still make the playoffs. And defensively, you have Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo. You have Clifton there. You have No, uh, Clifton's a UFA. I think they'll bring him back, though. But you have Zaboral, and then, yeah, maybe bring back Clifton. Maybe you got another sixth defenseman, and then probably a seventh defenseman, too. But you know, and you, you know, you're fine with goalies, right? So I think that they have it. Uh, I, I think they'll have it. They, I think they can have a very, I, not a very good team, but I think they have a good team. Good, but not great, but yeah. still good enough to get in the playoffs and maybe make some noise because anything can happen once the postseason starts. We literally found that out this year and we've known it, but we really found that out this year. They had like Florida had like 40 more, 40 less points than you. So it's like, ugh. I think everyone had 40 less points than the Bruins, first of all, but yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I'm, no, no kidding. But um, um, what was I going to say? Do you think they trade Swayman or Allmark? He might have. I don't think so because I here's the problem: both of them combined make like five million. You can't trade away the best goalie when you have the best tan, goalie tandem in the league for just over five million dollars. Even if we want to call it five and a half or six million, let's even call it six million. I know it's a little bit more than what it is. Even if we call it six million. If you have the best goalie tandem in the league for six million, you don't get rid of that tandem, right? Now, I think eventually you have to make a decision on Olmark Swayman. Which one do you keep in a couple of years when Olmark's contract is up and they'll have to extend Swayman? Like they're gonna have to make that decision. Um, which one do they want to keep long term? Then they'll have to decide between the two. But for now, you have the both of them and they're combined so cheap. Uh, I think you have to keep them both. Because, like, yeah, maybe you trade Olmark and get a lot back for him, but still at the same time, like, he's making, what, $4.5 for a guy who's going to win the Vezna. I know some people aren't happy with his performance in the playoffs, but at the same time, like, the whole team didn't play good. You can't just blame it on Olmark. Like, when your defense is making turnovers and giving the guy open ice straight up, straight to the goalie with, like, no one within, like, a 10-foot radius of, of, of the guy who gets the puck from for Florida, like, and you're in there and you're turning the puck away over in the defensive zone so many times and the neutral zone so many times. Yeah. You're going to give up goals. That's just what it is. But for a guy who's going to win the Vezina, Vezina and for a guy in Swayman, who was also very good, like it's too cheap to get rid of. Now, if they were combined making like 10 or 10 to 12, and if not more, yeah, then maybe you trade one of them, but because they're so cheap, especially like you're averaging what just on, on like you're averaging what under two, under 3 million per goalie, on average, like, and they're that good, I don't think you can get rid of either of them. I mean, you have Boosie in the minor leagues, too. That's the other thing. Yeah, I still don't think they get rid of them. I, I don't No, I think the more likely if they were to trade, let's, they'd be more likely to trade Olmark, I think, because he's making more money. You trade Olmark, I think you go get, like, a like a legit backup goalie for Swayman, right? You go and get a guy, maybe you gotta pay him, you know, a million and a half, two million, but you get a veteran who you know can be a solid NHL backup goalie. Uh, so you, you don't have to have the young guy, a young guy, be a backup goalie to a goalie who's becoming the starting goalie for the first time in his career. I don't necessarily like that mix. So yeah. first, first time starting goalie and then young backup goalie. I don't really love that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Maybe they move Taylor Hall. I don't know who wants that $6 million, though. I don't think they do. I think he stays. I think you're likely to see... I think you could, but I think Forbert and Riley, Mike Riley, need to go because they're kind of just combined. It's four point eight million that you can use elsewhere. Um, like four point eight million, you use like three million of that to get yourself a 
solid, another solid defenseman, right? Like, okay, and that's already better than Forbert and Mike Riley. Like, that's what, like, that's what I mean by like you gotta. I think you have to get rid of those two. I mean, it would shock me if they didn't get rid of Forbert, but still, I think still think they should. But at the very least, you gotta find a way to get rid of Mike Riley's contract. Just send it to a team that just needs to get above the cap floor. There's teams right. that they just need to get above the cap floor. Give them Mike Riley's three million dollars and just give them like a fifth round pick and take a seventh round pick back. Like it's only got one more year left on the deal. You're not gonna have to give up like a first round pick like some teams would have to do to get rid of some of the really bad contracts. Mm-hmm. So it's just like just figure it out, right? Yeah, I think that's the what Bruins they have, have no draft capital though. That's no, they don't. They don't. So that they have to figure that out. What do they? How do they? maneuver within the cap they're gonna have less cap space than everyone else in the league too uh so that's not four million's not a lot yeah yeah exactly right so you start looking at that you go okay now where do you end up with that i think they're gonna have to find a way like i said to move a couple of those guys and then you're gonna end up i think i think then you end up in a spot where you need a a, a, definitely need another defenseman because you have zaboro but like do you want Zaboro to be a seventh defenseman or your sixth defenseman? That's a question they have to ask themselves. If if you get rid of a forward and Riley, now you need to bring in two defensemen, whether it's a fifth defenseman and a seventh defenseman or a fifth and sixth defenseman. You got to bring in two defensemen. Um, then you have to bring in at least one forward, whether it's Bertuzzi coming back or a center or someone. You got to bring at least one person back because at the very worst, your top two lines are going to be. Mark are going to be a mix of in no like particular line order, but Marshan, DeBrusque, Pasternak, Zaka, Hoyle, and a sixth guy. But and you have to bring in a sixth guy at the very least there, right? At the very worst, so you have to bring at least in at least a second line forward. And I I would prefer to bring in two two top six forwards, whether it's a Bertuzzi and you move them up to the first line with Zaka and Pasternak, and that just becomes your first line. Because they didn't look bad together at all. And then you bring in like a second line center. I think JT Comfort is going to be a free agent. That's not terrible. Mm. Um, although I don't know how much it's going to cost. But like I said, you can free up a little bit. You can free up to like 4.8 million. Get rid of getting rid of Forbert. Get rid of Mike Riley. That gives you more money to spend. You can get a Bertuzzi. Get a guy like like a like a Comfort. And then your top six looks like Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasternak, Marchand, Comfort, DeBrusque. Uh, Hall, Coyle, and then either one of Frederick. I, I was talking to the other off the monster guys. I was ta- I we we kind of said like maybe like a Lysel on that line with the uh, Hall and Coyle, and then you get like a fourth line with Frederick, and then who knows who else might be on that fourth, and maybe like a, a Greer and Lauco maybe as well. Oh, Something yeah. like that maybe they bring in another fourth liner or like a Garnet Hathaway returns. Um. That's probably that's best case scenario in my opinion. If that's if Bergeron and Krejci don't return, I think Krejci most likely doesn't return. I don't know about Bergeron. I think he still retires too, but I'm not a hundred percent sure. I just want Marshan to be captain just because it'll piss the rest of the league off and it'll be glorious. <laughs> and the other thing, I think, I think what we forgot before is I think does I think Olmark has a no movement clause. I don't know. Oh, let I me look up now. Um, and the other thing is, what if maybe maybe the Rangers? I think one of my friends said this at school the other day. He's like, he's a big Bruins fan, and he goes, "What if what if the Bruins trade DeBrusque and they get like Lafreniere from the 
Rangers. You think that's a possibility? I don't think they trade DeBrusque. I think DeBrusque is happy to stay now, and I don't think they look to move him. Because, I mean, he did just have a good season. I don't think they'll move him. Yeah. I don't know. I'm assuming you're looking Plus, also, they need him on the right side. They need him on the right wing. I think because as of right now, their only, like, actual right winger that I can trust is Bostonok. If you're going to put DeBrusque on the left, who who's playing right wing, right? Hall isn't playing left wing. He's playing left wing. He's not playing on the right. Like, I know Frederick played a little bit on the right, but he really should not be on the right. He's more of a, a center or left wing, not a right wing. Uh, especially he's also uh, he's also lefty, right? I know DeBrusque is a lefty, but he's definitely a winger, and he can play on the right. He's proved that this year. With uh with Marshan and Bergeron, and I think if you Bergeron leaves and Marshan's still there, at least have having Marshan with DeBrusque, he plays played with DeBrusque all last year, so then you just find yourself a center that can plug and play with those guys, um in free agency. I think would be ideal. I mean, who really knows what happens? It, it's so tough to predict. Um, right now you look at the now I look I don't when I look at free agents, I don't like to look at the RFAs. I like to only look at the UFAs. Um, because to me, like the chance that an RFA is gonna sign is unlikely. Like, but like your best options in terms of points scored last year at center, besides that is not named Patrice Bergeron or David Krejci. It's Max Domi who scored fifty six points. I don't really like that. Then you have JT Comfer, and then like your who had fifty two points. Then your next best option is Barbashev for Vegas. He has 45 points. And he wouldn't be a bad option either, but after that, you get down to, like, the Eric Hollas and of the world. Oh, God. And... I don't want Eric Hollas. Yeah, exactly. Right? What so about Ryan really O'Reilly? Cool. I think that's way too much. He's though. there, but I don't see it happening. I don't think that's mm-hmm. likely, right? No, I, that's, I mean, not gonna, that's not going to happen. No way. I think he's going to get too much money because he'll get, like, a short-term deal, but it's still a lot of money. I don't think the Bruins are in a spot to do that. Plus, he, plus he, he's he's the Bruin killer. So, yeah, I, I think it's more likely you see a guy like a Comfort and Bar- or Barbashev come into play center if they do go get a center. Um, although, like maybe it's a coil gets bumped up to the set, that line with Marshan and DeBrusque, and they get a third line center. But I don't like that as much. I think Coil's the perfect third line center in terms of yeah. he, he could be a second line center if you need him to. But he's like the perfect third line center in my opinion, and it gives you that injury insurance where one of your top two centers get go down with an injury. Well, you got Charlie Coyle; you can move him up with no problem. Um, and he can also play on the wing too if you need it, right? You can play right wing if you need it. Um, so I, I, that's personally me. That's personally what I would do. Um, they could end up putting Taylor Hall up on that first line and doing Hall Zaka, Hall doing Hall Zaka. Um, and Pasternak, and then do Marshan a center in DeBrusque, and then you have to get a center. I mean, they could move Coil up, but then I feel like you're kind of top, your team's very top heavy, and your third and fourth lines aren't going to be that great. So you kind of run into some trouble there. So for me, yeah. it's about finding the. I think defensively, they have the, their top two defensive pairings are, are good, in my opinion. Carlo and McAvoy, good. Lindholm, Carlo, good. You don't have to touch either of those two. Those four guys stay. I think, in my opinion, stay, they stay. Because you're not going to get anyone better than Brandon Carlo at his at that price. You're not getting anyone better than Matt Grizzlick at that price. And then McAvoy and Lindholm, you're not moving. So I think those four guys stay. Then I think you could upgrade the bot that that bottom pairing because as of right now, it's like it's Forbert and and Zaboral, and I think Forbert's too expensive. Then your forward lines right now they have like no fourth line. 
because they have so many free agents. Yeah. So and that's where you get like the no yeah. six or like, I don't know, the, like someone like Curtis Lazar, something like that. Yeah. I think you're going to see AJ Greer take a spot. You might even see Blauco get playing time a lot next year on that fourth line. I think he will. Cause you gotta, yeah. he, they, the Bruins got to use some guys in Providence and we've been saying this for years now, but I think it's more, um, it's more, uh, how how should I say it? It's more important than ever right now. They got to hit on some of these draft picks. They, yeah, and that's why I, I wonder, like, do you bring a guy like a Lysel up to play third line? I don't think you could put him on the fourth line. I think at the very least he needs to be on the third line. And if, if you're going to put him on a third line, give me, like, a third line of, like, give me a third line of Hall, Coyle, and Lysel. Or if it's not Lysel, uh... Uh, Gorgi uh, Merkulov had a solid year in the AHL this past year. Better than he had a better year than Lysel, though. A little bit older, he's 22 compared to Lysel being 20. He's a left shot, so don't know if you can really put him on the right. But I mean, this last year, um, in the uh, this past year in the AHL, he played 67 games for the Province Bruins. He had 24 goals, 31 assists for 55 points. Like that's solid, and he and he played at uh, in 21 and 21 and 22 played at Ohio State. And that at 34 points in 36 games at 20 goals, right? So, I mean, that's a guy um, that maybe the Bruins look at bringing up. Or Lysel also is another option, obviously. Uh, in the AHL, he had uh, 54 games, 37 points, 14 goals, 23 assists. Um, so, you could bring him up to either of those guys. Maybe you put him on the third line with like a Hall and Coil. Um, and then you save because you're saving some money on a third liner, you can really get a first line left wing and a second line center um, to really fill out those lines. And then you still have depth, right? Frederick's on the fourth line with like a Greer and Lauco, or maybe Lauco's the 13th forward and he gets scratched. He's a healthy scratch, but you bring in like a right winger, like a Garnett Hathaway, for example, bring him back maybe or someone yeah, like that'd that. Be great. Like that's kind of what you're looking for. I think um, that's, I, li- that's- I like Hathaway too. I like yeah. Him. So that's the idea. So like I, the best case scenario for the Bruins without Bergeron and Krejci is we'll use Bertuzzi for this, right? And we'll use JT Comfort for this as well. Um, I just using them as examples. Best case scenario, you looking at like Bertuzzi, Zaka, Pasternak, Marshan, Comfort, DeBrusque, Hall, Coyle, one of Lysel or Merkulov or on Frederick. that long right wing. Then your fourth line is going to be some mix of Frederick Greer, Frederick, and Hathaway. A guy like a Hathaway, we'll use him. Then your decor is going to be Grizzlick, McAvoy, Lindholm, Carlo, and then Zaboral and someone. Figure that out, and then your goalies are are Omar and Swayman. And that's that's a playoff that's team. That's a solid team. That is a solid team. I think that's a playoff team. Is it the twenty twenty? 223 regular season Bruins? No. Bruins I don't want to be like that. And I don't want to be like that. That's no. the other and, thing. I don't want to be think, like that either. And then, and to be fair, I love Patrice Bergeron. Did they not go 0-3 in the games he played? Mm-hmm. At the, like, at, like I love Bergeron. But at the same time, it's like, he is getting old. He's, he does, he's not the same skater that he was. Like, he doesn't, he's not the, the fastest guy. He's not going to take all the same hits that he used to, right? And that's yeah. the point. Like I love him, but at the same time, it's like, is he in the best? And I know he was injured, and I love him for trying to play injured, but at the same time, is it more of a detriment to play injured, right? Especially when you're, what, 36, 37? 36, yeah. 
whatever like how like does that like it's like I don't know if I want him playing injured with that with that kind of injury, right? And that and that's why I say it's like like not that they would be better off with without Bergeron. I still think they could really use Bergeron. Can't be a first line center anymore. Cannot. Second line, I'm okay. I think Krejci at best now you need him at your you need a guy like Azaka to be your first line center. I think he could do it too. You got to put Pasternak next to him, and you got to put a solid left wing, whether it's like a guy like a Bertuzzi, for example, next to him. You got to put those guys next to him still, but I think he could handle it, right? You yeah. can't rely on Bergeron to play twenty minutes a night and getting top. You can't expect him to play top forward line, top penalty power play line, and top penalty kill line. You just can't do it. I mean, he, you can't have him do that for a full season anymore. Yeah. If you bring no. him back, he, him, and Marshan need to be that line that. Oh, the Maple Leafs are putting Austin Matthews on the ice. We're putting Bergeron out there to stop him, but we're not putting him out there to score a ton of goals. That's where you put out the Pasternak line, whichever line he is on. Right? I think that's what you have to do with him with Bergeron because he can't be playing, you know, twenty plus minutes a night at thirty-seven. You just can't. You can't put him through that. You need to keep him healthy and need to keep him at the best shape if he does come back. If he doesn't come back, amazing career. Grateful to have him as a Bruin, but it's not the end of the world for the Bruins either. I think Bruins fan, Bruins fan needs to look in the mirror and say, hey, it's not the end of the world if, if he goes. We have options still. And I think as much as I don't love Quill getting paid f- over $5 million, like I said, he's the perfect third-line center, and he can play second-line center if you absolutely need him to. And if he ends up as a second-line center, Five million for a second line center is not bad at all. I mean, the Maple Leafs are paying what forty millions to four different players, and look how that's working out for them, right? Yeah, so, they, they they barely got past the first round. Yeah, and, and they're, down they're gonna get to swept Florida. in the in the second round. Yeah, by Florida, who that they're a problem. That, that's great. That's great. I love it. I'm the biggest Florida Panthers fan right now. Yes, for this series, and then I want them to lose next series before. I don't want them getting to the finals. I don't know if it would be worse if Florida gets to the finals or not, but I don't want to have to consider whether it'd be worse or not in real time. Right. <laughs> I don't want to think about that, right? Uh, but yeah. no, I'm, it, the Bruins still have, like, they still have a chance, right? They still have a chance to be good next year. They still have a chance to be pretty good yeah. next year, right? And, and I and, think that's the thing. Yeah, and I th- I have I have to bounce in a second, but I'll leave it off at this note. The last two teams to set the wins record, I think, won back-to-back cups or tie. Yep. So yes, I'm just gonna leave that out there. Yeah, and Mark, if Marshan is the is the captain, and he gets to lift the Stanley Cup. I might make that my profile picture on all my social media. <laughs> with Marshan, do you think he's going to be the captain? Cup, who's going to be the captain if he's not the captain? They just won't name one. Like Marshan's going to be the captain, the next captain. They just don't name one. I don't know. No, it'll be Marshan. I would get. I would guarantee it and i would love it for the rest of my life it would be i it would it would be like my moment i would cherish the most as a bruins fan not including stanley cup us any stanley cup wins yeah okay so derek hey thank you so much for joining on we'll definitely have another episode and yeah go check him out on social media especially twitter and go check out all the great work he does because it's better than mine um, I'll link his Twitter in the in the description of this podcast. And yeah, anything else you'd like to say, Derek? Uh, go Red Sox. <laughs> go Red Sox. Go Dave O'Brien. Go JP Sears. 
and fuck you, Matthew Kachuk. Hello and welcome back to Bob Lab. I'm Nate here with Jason. Yes, sir. So let's dive deep into it. Enough said. Yeah. Um, Sox have won seven straight games. Who? Let me let me start off by asking you: Did you see this coming? I don't think anyone saw this coming, especially a four-game sweep against the Toronto Blue Jays, a very good team this year, a team that they struggled mightily against last year with a three and sixteen record. And just terrible all-around numbers. Um, I mean, like, yeah, this is truly quite a turnaround. And and like, even like a couple of games after our last episode, when they after the Brewers series, um, things were still looking a little bleak. I mean, they lost two out of three to Baltimore, and that's you know a big divisional opponent. It was tough to see that. Then they lost the first game of their series against the Guardians, and that's ironically the get a game I was at. So the last game I so the game I was at was the last game they lost, but. You know, they lost that game against Cleveland. Lost, you know, that means they had lost three of their last four games. They had dropped below 500, but it seems that ever since then, something's clicked, and this team's firing on all cylinders. You know, th- this team does have fight, Nate. That's what I love about it. Um, give me a second. All right, that's better. I'll, I'll edit that out. But, yeah, yeah, no, definitely agree with you. A lot of, a lot of key things that we had questions on the offseason – They've been, you know, right. I'll give the offense as an example. The offense has been incredible. Yoshida has been overperforming, in my opinion. I didn't. I thought I didn't think he'd be this good. You know, apparently that adjustment that he did make. What, what, what's the adjustment he made exactly? I don't know. Something with his plant foot, I think. Okay. Some, or small, something with his stance. Dude, but. small in in this league, small things can make a huge difference. Absolutely. And, you know, he's hitting. Verdugo's been on a tear. I know he's been out because of an illness per Alex Cora. Um, what else has been amazing? The Duran. Like, who saw him coming? Yeah. He, he's been amazing. I mean, like, he, it's so funny. When I first heard him getting called up, I was like, oh, boy, not this guy again. But, like, he's, like, been uh, X factor for this team, which I just find to be incredible. But, like... Yeah, I mean, the, uh, I mean, especially the offense. Like, the, I, I gotta say, I think I want to take back what I said last episode. I think overall, this offense has been very good. I think they have been playing to their numbers. There was a couple of games, like between like the Angels series and I guess um, the Rays series a little before, where they were, you know, a little injury riddled, and you know, some guys hadn't been brought, and some guys were still struggling to the point where it felt like you know. They were putting out really pathetic lineups, but, you know, the combination of, you know, getting guys back, guys getting hot, I think it's a big one, like Yoshida, and, you know, Verdugo doing his thing, and stuff along the lines of that has really made this offense excellent. I mean, and I just really think that you see, uh, and I really think you were able to see how great this offense is when you watch it. Like, they... Like the quality of that of that bats, they're working the count. That's a great thing to see, and like they're keeping the line moving. They're getting the ball in play. They're having team at bats, and that's leading to good stuff. The more you put the ball in play, the higher the chance you'll get a hit. You'll get something going. The more you know, like you know, if you get that ball in play, like it's much more likely that the ball squeaks by a fielder for a hit, and then that happens again. So I love that they're not trying to do too much, and they're just trying to keep the line moving and play as a team. I think my phrasing for this, this team has fight. They're never out of it. They're having, like you said, competitive at-bats. And we saw yesterday in the third inning, Wheeler was up to... Yeah, Wheeler was up 
to 60 pitches after three innings. Yeah. Which is great to see. And something that the Red Sox lacked last year. Because Alex... And, and earlier, and, and just a couple earlier. weeks earlier in the season. Right. They they were swinging at the first pitch. It was a theme last year, especially with, like, the top of the... And, and quite frankly, the bottom of the order. They're swinging and popping it up on the first pitch. How many times did we do that last year? Many, in the beginning of this times. year. Way too many times. And I like and I liked what I've also seen out of Manuel Valdez and Connor Wong. Yeah. Like, Connor Wong's been great. He's a good defensive catcher. Although his framing needs some work, I think that takes time to develop. Yeah, this, and the receiving a little bit, too. I think he had a pass ball last night and a yeah. couple more than I think he should. But, yeah, he has a good arm, and all of a sudden he's been raking. Like, you know, he seems to have a lot more confidence at the plate. It's great to see that out of him. Um, But, yeah, Valdez, like, I mean... I think, you know, he just might be major league ready. Uh, honestly, I mean, with the bat, I 100% think he is. The one thing I was concerned about with his glove, but maybe that was, you know, nerves in the first few games. He's definitely sort of ironed on out ever since. But yeah, I mean, like, I can't, I mean, he's kind of fit, like, slotted very well in that second base role. Yeah. Defense improves over time. I, I still think he's an, he's not 100% reliable. Granted, yeah. no one in that infield is. But... This, the up the middle kind of still concerns me defensive-wise. I know, like I just said, Valdez, and he just needs some work. He needs exposure yeah. at the big league level. He was never known for his glove. He was actually quite the opposite. He was major league ready. He can hit. That's what we knew. The one thing that we were eh on was the glove. Yeah. Okay. And Kike Hernandez, look, the, the dude has, he has a good glove. Just sometimes the throws are very wild. I think I, I Kike Hernandez. I've seen much improvement with him. Like you know, he's hitting way better. He seems definitely more confident, and I guess he might seem a bit more comfortable at shortstop. But like defensively, I still don't love him there. I, I really don't. Um, I feel like we're not getting the best out of him with him at short. I feel like he should be you know at center or second. But you know, with how this this roster set up, like doesn't seem like. They're able to do that, and I actually think it's the routine plays that seem to be giving him trouble. Like it's kind of similar to sort of Glaber Torres when he played shortstop and and Isaiah Conforlafa because Kike Hernandez has made some amazing plays. Like I've seen him make some awesome plays at short. Right, and then the other day is a good example. I forget which game. I think it was against the Blue Jays. The first game. It was either the first or. Second it was the first game. game. It was the walk off Verdugo. He made an insane play, and then he proceeded to make two errors. The next two plays, which yeah, freaking. It was. I don't say hilarious, but it's just like, oh, dang. But the one concern I have with this team is the starting rotation and what they're gonna do moving forward because some decisions have to be made in terms of who's coming back because Paxton's he's made a lot of rehab starts in Worcester. Whitlock's gonna be coming back soon. What is Paxton's timetable? Like, how many rehab starts does he need exactly? He, I think he, he's he been in AAA for a few weeks. Hmm. He pitched yesterday. He gave up, like, two runs in the first inning, two walks, and 36 pitches. Oh, that's a little rough. It's not good, but... I think the, I think another start he did well, but, um, yeah, go on. And then what's Garrett Whitlock's timetable? I think that he can... I think he's already clear to resume throwing. Okay, that's that's... It's good, but speaking of Whitlock, I mean, 
that we've been going back and forth on this a lot, but I think it's time to just put him back in the bullpen. I feel like we have a lot of available arms in that rotation. It actually feels quite crowded. And I feel like Whitlock is better and more comfortable as a reliever. I feel like he's been a vastly inferior pitcher when he's starting. And I feel like he's truly at his best, at his most dominant when he's in the bullpen. I know, and you're screwing up his potential by putting him in the rotation if he's just going to get injured. And he's not even, he's not eye-popping, in my opinion. He had that one good start against the Angels, but at the time, the Angels were bad. Yeah, and just like, and and just he he's just gotten hit as a starter. Like, against the Rays, I think he gave up three home runs. I, he, I mean, he's been giving up a ton of home runs while starting, I feel. So, yeah, I, I feel like he, he, he should go back to the bullpen. I feel like a guy like that that you know guy that can pitch w- multiple innings out of the pen is very valuable. But you know, not a swing guy, but like he can pitch multiple innings. But towards the end of the game, I think that's just a really cool and awesome thing to have. And I feel like it makes this bullpen even better. Yeah, but knowing Heim Bloom, um, he's gonna put Whitlock back in that starting rotation. I do I agree with it? Hell no. I don't. But why? Like, what what rationale is there behind it? Like, cause cause he, because he's built up as a starter already, and they want to see, and he's being paid like one. That's why. Uh, uh, it's bad. I don't like it. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Heimblum. Heimblum still annoys us. I mean, like this team's playing better baseball, but Heimblum still annoys us. Anyway, I feel like we should just kind of like quickly go over all the games of this winning streak. Starting off with the second game against Cleveland. Um, Red Sox. Up six one, oh yeah, that game. Uh, up, it, this was this was a crazy one. Up six one, then it's all of a sudden six six due to um Ryan Brazier, partially pretty much due to Ryan Brazier after all of his inherited runners scored, and what do you know? It's six six. The yeah. first blown save of the year. And well, actually, yeah. So it doesn't make it actually no, it doesn't make it six six, but it makes it six five. But then in in the top of the ninth. 6-5 Red Sox. Kenley Jansen allows Cleveland to tie the game, which, you know, first blown save of the year. And it looked like things were going to get ugly, but they were able to get the walk off. And, of course, it's Alex Verdugo who got the hit to walk it off for us. So, you know, I feel like there's still been a little too many games like this where they had a big lead, but um, it got a little close at the end, but they were able to hang on to win. But, yeah, like, a nice win overall. But, like, it kind of does bring up the concern. One other concern I have with the team, like, ironically the low leverage guys like you know the guys that you put in when you know you're up by five or six runs they're really bad and like you know they're the type of guys where they can all of a sudden make a game close like that wasn't supposed to be yeah i mean it's it's an interesting conversation because they're making games that shouldn't be um competitive competitive but at the same time isn't that what your ryan braziers are supposed to be like or your Caleb Orts, aren't they supposed to be like that? I, but I, I feel like they no, should. No, 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 my, my point simply, th- this is a good one of the good problems to have in a bullpen. Mm-hmm. But I, Brazier's value right now comes in the form of you give him a baseball, he'll pitch. And I think the first twenty games he played, he he pitched in eleven of them. That's the only he'll eat innings. But at the same time, I'm like. I'm just done with him. Like, why? I, he's he has an ERA over like eight. 
I think it's seven or eight. It's not good. It's it's, not good. It's horrible. It's like, again, I just don't like, I wouldn't want, I don't want this to become a trend. I really don't. I just don't think it's a good look and a good feel for the bullpen. Because, you know, like, what if the guy, what if the guy, the the low leverage guy just can't get an out, just is unable to get an out to save his life and you have to bring in your top end guys that kind of, you know, that, 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 that's like, you know, that wastes them pretty much. That essentially causes a waste. So I feel like, our low leverage guys got to be a bit more reliable and, you know, got to like avoid that crooked number and at least put up some more scoreless innings. Because like, I feel like whenever Brazier comes out, like best case scenario, he gives up one run. Unfortunately. Yeah. He, he was decent in mid April, but now he's just bad. Yeah. So I feel like, I I feel like we need low leverage guys that are just not terrible. As of right now, 12.04 12.04 p.m. on May 6, 2023. He is still on this team, but the Sox made a trade with the Texas Rangers that send, sent right-hand relief pitcher Zach Littell in exchange for cash considerations. So he's in Worcester right now, but I hear he they're going to bring him up and put him on the active roster, hmm. which is pretty good. Yeah, apparently Zach Littell had very good numbers in 2023. And the one guy... Is he a reliever? Or reliever. Okay, all right. He he pitched in eight games and has twelve innings pitched. No way he's a starter. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, so is the Brazier era over, or is Ort gonna get sent down and someone be placed on the sixty day because Latell doesn't have a six uh, a forty man spot. Well, what does it mean you don't have a forty man spot? So in order to be in the big league in the on the major league roster, you have to be on the forty man roster. Mm-hmm. That's why when yet DFAs it's like players come back from like the 60 day IL or mm-hmm. um I don't know if a minor leaguer gets traded and he's brought up and he's not on the 40 man that's where you see the DFAs so he mm-hmm. in order to be on the active roster you have to be on the 40 man ro- you have to be on the 40 man roster I think I think the era of Razor's over it's just he's just way too in I feel like he's way too ineffective and has been too ineffective for too long on this team for us to keep sticking with him. It's ridiculous, honestly. I feel like we got. I feel like even. I think Bloom might. I think even Bloom might even start to understand that. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see because I think Ort does have options left. But honestly, let's see. Uh, I'm, I'm going to look at Twitter right now. See if there's any news. Do we play a? Yeah, we play a seven, seven a.m. game. Uh, seven p.m. game. Tonight? Yes. Yeah, against um, against Philly. It's on Fox. It's on Fox. That's the first time. Yeah, first time the Red Sox have been on prime time this year. Um, anyway, so the next game. Now, this is one of. Now, this is just a flat-out solid win. 7-1 victory. Um, really good offense. Uh, I believe Yoshida had a nice game. Um, I mean, it seems he always having a nice game. Like, Verdugo had two hits. Yoshida went one for three with um, a walk, and Yoshida went one for three with a run scored. Um, Arroyo had some hits. He yeah, Arroyo starting to come alive with the bat a bit. Connor Wong had two hits. Duran kept hitting. Um, but yeah, like a really good team effort there, especially by the bottom of the order. And another nice thing is that Chris Sale pitched very well in that game. Yeah, I I, I like what I've been seeing out of him in this his past two starts. Um, against the and against the, yeah, he he pitched today. He pitched or, sorry, yesterday. yesterday against 
the Phillies. Yeah, I mean, outstanding. Overall, very good. He had one rough inning, but I mean, he was able to sort of recover. And I think, I think, how many innings did did he pitch? I have no idea. I'm gonna see. I, I, but see I know he had a good start. I wonder if he pitched five or six. He might have pitched six. He pitched six innings, you know, three earned runs. Quality ten, start. Ten strikeouts, had a quality starring, you know, was able to bounce back from a bit of a rough inning. That's, you, you really like to see that. Um, Because I will say, like, because as you said, like, the rotation, like, you know, throughout this stretch hasn't, like, been great or mind-blowing. I mean, I really think that the offense has truly been the star of the show during this stretch, especially during the Blue Jays series, because... Again, I mean, like, they gave, they still give up five runs in the first game, six runs in the second game, and five in the fourth game. So it's not like, you know, their, their pitching's been lighting the world on fire. I know. Uh, what was I going to say? Uh, yeah. You want to move on to the next game? Yeah. Um, I, so, yeah, I think... Um, so, yeah, speaking of the first game against Toronto, um, Red Sox walk it off. Verdugo with, is the hero yet again with a home run. Six to five. Um, I believe who started the game. Uh, that was Kluber. It was Kluber. Yeah. Who? I mean, he only gave up three runs. How many walks though? Four walks. Four walks. If I if I if I'm I, right, I, I gotta say Kluber still like. I mean, haven't seen. He's still struggling. I mean, like the numbers even for Kluber and Sale. Like, I mean, it's it. There's been slow improvement, but I don't think. I don't think it's been quite significant enough for both of them because, like, he, Kluber still has an ERA over six. Um, I think S- Sale's ERA is still, like, in the high fives. So I really think that they, they really got to get rolling. They really got to start getting a stretch of, like, good starts go- going because, like, these are our top-end guys. And I do still legend, think, yeah. supposedly, I mean, I think they're in the top end of the rotation. And, like, you know, they have, like, numb ERAs over five and a half. So, like, you know... It's really, I think they really got to pick up the pace. Absolutely. And I think Sale is showing, he's showing a lot of fight too. He's coming back. Yeah, I definitely think he has a higher chance of getting into this groove than Kluber does. Yeah, just because Kluber, Kluber was not, definitely not the same pitcher as he was last season. His walks are up a lot. Yeah. He's, he was known not to like walk guys. Yeah, I think it's. I think. I mean, he's the. I think he's the textbook definition of past his prime. I mean, like he is thirty-seven years old and has spent like the last, pretty much the last three or so years being injured, honestly. And um, his stuff is just. He just his stuff is not what it used to be. Absolutely not what it used to be. And I feel like he. I mean, he's having trouble adjusting to you know now only having an eighty-eight mile per hour fastball. And I feel like that's kind of caused him to nibble and have trouble throwing strikes. Definitely. And, and you know, that's also led to a lot of home runs because the few times he does throw strikes, they probably get crushed. No, definitely. I Today is a big start for him because he's kind of... I think he's on the hot seat today. If he, if he gets shelled, why are we going to keep him in experimenting with him? Yeah. If he can just either DFA him or give him a phantom injury and have him figure it out in Worcester. Yeah. Or maybe, yeah, like, yeah, I feel like he might, yeah, I feel like he might be out of the rotation if he gets, if he gets shut Have him and Paxton compete for that last spot. Perfect. I think that sounds... And then if both of them suck, just put Whitlock there. Yeah. So, yeah, in this game, I feel like, I mean, Red Sox, they were down, they they started up, it was back and forth. They were up to nothing. Um, Verdugo with two hits, Yoshida with two hits. Man, Yoshida, it's... I think we spoke too soon with him. I mean, like, it's truly just... 
I feel like that little foot adjustment has made a world of a difference. He's now just a great hitter. He's using all fields. He's hitting the ball well, hitting it hard. I mean, I mean, it, it's it's truly there has truly been a 180 with him. Like yeah. the absolute definition of a 180. Like completely flipped. Um, Turner went one for four. He's hitting well. Um, Duran continues to rake. Uh. I think uh, Valdez with two hits, like pretty much every, I think everyone, everyone in the lineup got a hit in the starting lineup, got a hit aside from Casas. And he, even he's starting to pick it up, but he's got like a four game hitting streak, five game hitting streak going. So, um, but yeah, like great, good offense. I mean, like they showed great fight in that game and that led to a walk off. I will admit they got a tiny bit lucky because I think there was an error, but you know, they, they pay, made him pay. Yeah. And Bichette. Bichette hit a big home run. Yeah, Bichette was a menace that series. Like, I mean, same with Vladdy. Like, hey, so. and and they were the ones who killed us last year. Yes. But hey, I'm glad that we took the next game too. Yeah, seven to six. Now this one again, like this this is they were up they went up three nothing they went down six three. Oh, yeah, like, that, uh, was, that was that was by, by Varsho. Um, how like you know he kind of. Interesting, he pitched six innings in this game and allowed six runs. But the big confidence booster there was putting him back out there for that sixth inning yeah. to face the bottom of the order. That was amazing. That yeah. showed that Cora has confidence in him and you know he can be a good piece in this rotation. He's putting him to the bullpen, and I'll say it again, putting him in the bullpen will be one of the biggest mistakes that the Red Sox can make. Mm-hmm. There's no going back. Yeah. And we and I just feel like we need some consistency. Like I just think as a pitcher, it's frustrating to constantly be going back and forth. I feel like we need to know. I think it's. I feel like you'll be. You'll know. You'll you will play better if you know where you are and know how to prepare. Yes. Uh, and then the the, the come from behind wins have been awesome. It's a mix of 2013 and 2021. 2021. The team's never out of it. They have a good chemistry together. Yeah, I mean, and you oh, know, and, the like, come from behind wins. It doesn't matter if they're down one nothing. The case last year is the Red Sox are up one nothing, and then they blow the lead, and then they just they're like, oh, we're out of but it. Yeah, and like the hand and the offense just handled everything perfectly. Immediately after going down six three in the top of the fifth, they get right to work in the bottom of the fifth, score two runs like on a. RBI single by Ref Snyder, Yoshida with a single, Santina at bats, but also Connor Wong, who, like, again, like, he's been on a tear lately. Homer twice to make to win it 7 to 6, just a great all around win. And now, here, and now game three, a significantly more dominant win. Again, they were down 3 2 at one point because Pavetta supposedly balked. Like, you that know, was not a balk, that was so bad. Not bad call. To get a, to get a run in, but, like, but like again, like that was a that was a decent start for Pavetta. Like he kept his team in the game. He was able to get five innings, six innings actually. So a quality start. You know the quality starts are starting to pile up a bit more. Like I remember we couldn't get one to save our lives to start off. But again, like I mean, although like I think the offense was the star of the show. There's been like I've seen baby steps at least yes. with this pitching staff. Like a bit more quality starts. A bit more. Um, Depth and it seems like and again like ninety four pitches for Pavetta, so it seems that core is actually like you know letting their starters ride instead of you know get, like sort of over managing and plucking them from the bullpen. So that's also nice to see. But yeah, like um, Red Sox 
combination of really good offense by the Red Sox, but also terrible defense by the Blue Jays. Four errors in that game. I think yeah. one of them was a dropped fly ball. Oh and yeah. yeah, they went at eight to three. Yeah, and then everyone's like, "Oh yeah, we won the series. Let's punt the th- the fourth game." No, well, why not take it? I don't think it's yeah. Because like, why? here's the thing. Why I think. I think this. I think it's still going to be a close season series between the Red Sox and Blue Jays. It wouldn't surprise me. And like, I, I, I want to know what it kind of makes. What it'll make me sort of think. I think it might be like the Red Sox season series against the Blue Jays against the Yankees in 2021, where like you know they got off to a crazy good start against them, like seven and zero, ten and three, clinched clinched the season series, but then they lost their last six meetings. So it, it, I wouldn't be surprised if it's something similar to that. Especially like you know we get to Ro- like in for the games with in Rogers Center so like yeah. you know play every game like it's meaningful and they did as they shelled Kevin Gosman like the ace of the Blue Jays staff and beat them eleven to five. Wow, that that was crazy. I, Gosman's had our number for a while. Yeah, I mean it, again like it, the script was flipped in this series. It truly was. Yeah, we th- we were clearly the better team. Clear, yeah, in that series, yeah, we absolutely were, and a big five-run second inning, getting ahead early, and like you know, I think Vladdy hit a moonshot in the top of the fourth to make it six-one, but then we make it eight-three. But you know, they do get three more to make it eight-four, but in the bottom of, of the eighth inning, we get three to really put the game away. Yeah, obviously Brazier comes in and gives up a run in the top wow, of the ninth inning. Wow, shocker! To make well, it well, technically. That was Cutter. That was Cutter Croft. He, Brazier had to come in only because Cutter Crawford was hurt. Yeah, excuses, excuses. And if, yeah, like he comes in, gives up a run to make it eleven five. But yeah, really good stuff from the Red Sox. Like this series, like was, I was truly impressed with this series. Yeah, and then go yeah, to, excellent offense. The yeah. pitching, you know, did its job and didn't, and you know, wasn't bad enough to where it hindered the offense. Like like the bullpen, like you know, I, there were some more quality starts from our starters. You know the bullpen did its, I think, did its thing too. I mean, two one-run wins, like that. That that means you got a good bullpen. I feel. Yeah, and then uh, Yoshida's hit streak too. Is it still going? Yeah, 15. he had a hit last night. Yeah, yeah, Yoshida. I mean, like, fifteen-game hitting streak. I mean, when guys are hot, you truly feel like you have like the lineup just feels so much different. Like you know, when when Yoshida was cold, Wong was cold. And, like, Casas stunk. Like, it felt like we had just such a weak lineup. But, like, with Yoshida heating up and Wong starting to hit a bit more, it feels so much deeper. And, like, Jaron Duran, like, I mean, he's a different player. I, I, Absolutely. I, I, such a different player. And, like, I I feel like he might – I think, like, he's finally showing his potential. I mean, like, he's been running the bases well. Um, His defense, much improved. I've seen him actually make some good plays out there less mistakes um i i I feel like it's legit i really think it's legit improvement and i feel like he's put in the work agreed and i think he made a comment it was like you know there's when i can you know openly talk about my feelings to the clubhouse that that feels good he said something on the lines of that which goes to show the toxic culture in the clubhouse last season where you know guys were whining it was you know like avaldi martinez bogart's you know that Rich Hill, 
Like I mean, all, all those, those guys were whining in the clubhouse. Like it just doesn't it just seem like there's a better pre- clubhouse presence. Yeah, right and now? I feel like a, a guy who's helped with that is Turner. Oh, absolutely. I, I mean, like he, he's I a mean, great he's, leader. Yeah, he's a great leader, and just I mean, I think is a perfect replacement for Martinez. I feel like he's a guy that will give you. He is a guy that will always give you a competitive at bat, a competitive at bat, and you just can't say that with Martinez. Yeah, truly can't say that. And like, yeah, this stuff matters. It really does. Like a good clubhouse, good vibes. It can it can affect the on field play. It absolutely does. Yeah, and then you know, let's go. Do we do we talk about yesterday's game yet? Uh, yeah. Uh, no, not 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 in depth. So Red Sox again, like doing their thing. Like now, get ahead early, up three nothing, real early in the game. But um, it was three three. But then, like you know, Chris Sale has a bit of a rough um, bottom of the fourth, gives up three runs, um, a couple of balls sort of scooped by. He was a little frustrated, but you know the team came in, they sort of calmed him down, and uh, and like you know he was able to sort of face that adversity but overcome it, and you know pitch two scoreless innings after that, which I just think is really good. I mm-hmm. really think that's a good thing to see out of Sale. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um... Ten strikeouts. Ten I mean, strikeouts. It was, it was definitely dominant. touched ninety nine miles an hour. Yeah, off Harper, like ninety eight pitches. So again, I think Core's showing more, tr- like really starting to trust that rotation and actually like use his eyes and sort of like. I just hope he lasts. See what ha- Yeah, I hope that I hope that lasts too. But yeah, like uh, really solid all around win. They get they got the timely hits in the sixth inning when they needed to, and yeah, I mean like just a good example of what they've been doing this winning streak. Hmm. And then let's talk about the flip side of things. Tristan Casas. Uh, I mean, no, he's had a few hits. I think he he has a little hit streak too. Yeah, but I mean, he's up to like two fifty one, I think. Is he up or one fifty one? Sorry, big difference. Okay, yeah. Speak. Oh, we should also mention Devers. Ironically, Raphael Devers ironically has kind of been cold during this real hot for the most part during this hot stretch. Um. For the Red Sox, he's shown the last two games have been a little bit better. I think he homered in um, the last game, and uh, this game he had a hit two and an RBI single. And yeah, I just think with Devers, I think that I feel like he's definitely going to start to um, hit better because I feel like the problem with him before is that he was trying to do too much, like you know more, yeah. like definitely more than other guys. He was really trying swinging hard, swinging at the first pitch. And really trying, like, really trying to hit that home run when he should really just be trying to get those hits, get those singles, and let the other guys come to him. And I feel like he's, and I felt, and earlier I admit that's a bit harder because, like, you know, a lot of guys weren't hitting back then. But since he has a lot more protection and, like, you know, they're really playing as a team lately, I feel like he's going to start to, you know, not do much, sort of let things happen, and he'll start hitting better. Let him, how should I say this? He's going to hit. He's been hitting home runs. He's got to improve the plate discipline and yeah. not swing at everything, kind of adding yeah. on to what you said. Yeah. And I think he's shown that he can kind of do do that. I think similar last year, but the only difference is he was hot early and he was cold later. And, and uh, like, you know, and good chance that was due to, like, he, and he, he, probably, an was, and he probably wasn't playing at 100%. He no. was definitely not playing at 100% there. With, no, but... Point being, he's gonna figure it out. Yeah, I definitely. He's think he he's will. proved that he's, he can. He is too good to be hitting two forty two right now. Yeah, just the, the clutch situations are what my main concern yeah. is. Like he just strikes out. He can't get that clutch hit. Yeah, 
But I feel like that's going to change because I feel like, the, I mean, like, I think hitting is contagious. I believe in that saying. And, like, it seems that we've really been hitting, we've been, our timely hitting, I think, has been excellent lately. So yeah, competitive um, at-bats. In the competitive like at-bats. So I feel like, you know, he'll sort of pick up on how, on everyone else's approach. And I definitely think there should be improvement in that area. Yeah, so are you ready? Uh, let me ask you about Casas. Are you ready to send him down if you could? Or would you give him another week? I think I'd give him another week because it seems, I mean, he's on a little four-game hitting streak. He's played decent defense at first. And, yeah, I think I'd give him another week. I said that last week, and I'm, I'll give him another one. Yeah, I, I he's, think. He's, he hasn't earned my uh, 100%, like, I'm sold. He hasn't sold me yet, but... I'm, I'll, he's earned the extra week I'll give him. Yeah. But I think he can figure it out. And once he does, I think he can be really good. Isn't it crazy that what I think a good sign for this team for the future, a lot of the guys other than maybe Verdugo who are hot right now, they're young guys. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can also, I think Verdugo, I think wants to stay here, Mm -hmm. but the big question is what version of Verdugo are we going to get? Is it going to be this version, or is he going to go back to last year? Is I he just going to go to last year's Verdugo? Mm, and it's like... I, I doubt that. I really feel like Cora is pushing him to step up his game, and I feel like he wants to keep that up and keep improving. I feel like that's Verdugo's personality, and I feel like Cora will definitely keep like you know reinforcing that. So I'd be surprised if like he kind of goes back to the player he was before. Yeah, so where are we? Well, 33 minutes in this episode. Let's yeah, preview I mean... tonight. Um, Kluber. And like I said earlier in this episode, big game for him. If he gets shelled, then that's just going to open up his competition even more. Granted, I think his spot's in jeopardy, to, uh, especially today, because Paxson's going to come back soon. Whitlock, I think, is eligible to come back next week because he was placed on the 15-day IL. A, he should be in the bullpen, but I do not think this team will do that. But, yeah, anything else you want to say, Nate? Yeah, I mean, I guess... I gotta say, like, this team is, I feel like this team, this seven-game winning streak is the seven-game winning streak of a 20-14 team, and they have a 20-14 record. I feel like during this, I feel like lately they've been playing to their record. I mean, before then, I didn't think they were, but, and I thought they were getting lucky, but no, I feel like this, they're playing some really good baseball and, like, against a real, against a very good team in the Toronto Blue Jays, that's, and also a a very good team that's in our division, like, you know, two just two things foreign to us last year. So, um, yeah, like, let's let's see if we can keep this line moving. We got, um, f- you know, two more against Philly, then Atlanta. That's a big one. That so, is a huge, 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 if we can, huge So, like, huge definitely, series. if we can, I, I feel like let's get this road trip, let's end this road trip with a winning record, and I feel like, you know, we can keep the line moving here. Yep. Alrighty. All right. Go Sox.